Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. chapter 33, Isaiah chapter 33, these verses of scripture have been on my heart for a little while, and um, had some things written down, but nothing was coming together complete, and I feel the Lord has directed me to speak about these verses here tonight. Verse 22 of chapter 33, for the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Thy tacklings are loose. They cannot well strengthen their mass. They could not spread the sail. Then is the prey of a great spoil divided. And I want you to notice this last little phrase here, and this will be our subject tonight. The lame take the prey. The lame take the prey. Would you lift your hands with me once again, and let's pray for the Lord to help us here tonight, strengthen us through his word. Lord, we're thankful for each time that we have the very privilege of coming to your house, receiving from the word of the Lord, and I'm praying, God, tonight that you would bless the word of God to the hearts of people. Allow me to be anointed as I speak forth your word in this congregation to be anointed to receive it. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said amen. Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Isaiah is one of the most prolific prophets and writers of the Old Testament. I'm going to get this collar here in just a minute. I feel like I've got a noose around my neck. Praise God. There we go. I believe I can preach now. Isaiah is one of the most prolific prophets and writers of the Old Testament. And he is often noted for his skill in writing. He's called the silver tongue orator. He uh, wrote some very powerful passages here as he was directed of the Lord. And one thing you always got to understand about these Old Testament prophets and their writings is, yes, they were writing for the present time, but of course they are prophets They may have been writing for the not-too-distant future for that particular nation of Israel or Judah or whoever it was that they were addressing their writings to. But also, always, their uh, writings have a deeper meaning to the church as it is today. And so there's things that we can receive from it. Isaiah in these verses of Scripture is describing a very weak situation here. And I realize that this passage covers more depth than we have the time or the energy to plummet here tonight. 
but he speaks about loose tackling. He's talking about a ship that is in desperate shape and a mast that has been beaten by a storm so profusely that it is beyond repair and those that are on the boat don't have the strength uh, because maybe they have been enduring a storm so fierce and been on the high seas for so long that they have no more energy or strength to spread the mask of the ship and there's not much there to work with in the first place. So he is describing a very hopeless situation and it looks like a no-win situation. But then the great prophet declares at the end of our reading here, he adds this phrase. He said, when the spoil is divided, I just want you to know the lame is going to take the prey. So what is God saying through the man of God, the prophet Isaiah? He is saying, never count my people out. No matter how uh, great the odds are against them, no matter what their limitations are, no matter their handicaps, you cannot ever count them out. You can never, you can never just say that they are so hopeless, so far gone, that there is no way that they will be victorious. There's no hope for them overcoming. And we understand, I want you to get this right here at the outset, that everyone, every one of us has our limitations. If we're honest, there are times in certain situations that we feel handicaps in areas of our lives. And there are many ways that a person can become handicapped or can become lame. Uh, it can be as a result of an accident or a fall that has taken place. We even see accounts of this in the scripture where Mephibosheth uh, was lame of his feet because the nurse fell upon him as she was scurrying away and running for what she felt was his life. And she fell upon his legs and feet and he became lame from that time forward. And uh, it can not only be from a fall or an accident, but it can also be the result of taking unnecessary risk. Uh, all of us know that there are certain things that uh, when we're around heavy equipment or are in certain situations, that we maybe even have warnings and signs that are placed in these areas. Or maybe when you read the directions of operating a certain piece of equipment or a power tool it tells you that there are certain things risks that you don't need to take areas that you need to be careful in because it could maim you leave you handicapped or leave you in a lame condition or it can be as a result of something that others inflicted upon you it can be as a result of you being born with this handicap but all of us no matter how we got them, how that we received them, whether we were born with them or they came somewhere along the way in life. All of us without fail have handicaps and we are lame and we have limitations in some areas of our life. And we go to great lengths as human beings to try to conceal them. We do our very best to try to hide them. We spend a lot of precious energy trying to keep others from discovering our limitations or our areas where we feel handicapped.
But the fact is, we all need God's help. We need Him to to take up and make up the margin. We need Him to strengthen us where we are weak. We need Him to prop us up in the areas where we feel that we are not able to stand on our own. We need God's intervention. How many will at least concur with me on that? We need God's intervention in our life. We need God's strength in our life. And the truth is, many of our limitations, and this is what's difficult for us to even get our minds around or to understand, is that many of our limitations are God-allowed. Man, we do a lot of blaming things on the devil, blaming things on others, blaming things on certain situations, blaming things on uh, happenstance or, or situations beyond our control. But can I tell you that nothing catches God off guard. God is never scrambling. God is never searching. God has never found himself in a predicament or felt like his back was against the wall, but God knows the end, the Bible says, from the beginning. So he knows where you're at and how you got there and why you're there. And what you need to understand is that the situation that you're encountering in life is God allowed. And things that the enemy does, even the things that the enemy does, God can choose to do a few things. He can choose to overrule it. He can choose uh, to redeem it and use it for his purpose. But never is he caught off guard. Never is God left with not an option. But God knows before we ever get to that juncture, before we ever get to that intersection in our life, he knows exactly where we are and how we got there and what we need to do. He knows when you get to that intersection whether you need to turn left or right or go forward or what the situation is. He knows exactly what you need to do. He's not caught off guard. And he's going to receive glory from this situation. He's going to receive honor and praise and thanksgiving and worship out of this situation. And that's one thing that we need to be aware of. That's one thing that we need to realize is that maybe God allowed this situation in my life so that he could receive some glory because he's going to help me. He's going to bring a miracle to pass. He's going to provide. He's going to make a way where there seemeth to be no way. And when it's all said and done, I'm going to be able to say it wasn't in me to do this. It wasn't anything that I was able to accomplish that brought this victory. But it was God that stepped in. It was God that made a way. It was God that came through. It was God that answered a prayer. It was God that heard my cry. It was God that worked it out. Amen. You remember you remember Jacob when they came back with the news and told him. They told him that Simeon is not. And you're going to take Benjamin away. And he said... All these things are against me. All these things. I feel like my back's against the wall. 
I feel like the enemy has got, got me down on the mat. I feel like there's no way for me to possibly overcome. All these things are against me. But what he didn't realize and what he couldn't see at the moment is that all of this was God allowed. God allowed Joseph to be taken. God allowed Joseph to be arrested. God allowed Joseph to be falsely accused. God allowed Joseph to be placed in the dungeon. God allowed Joseph to go from the dungeon to the highest position in the government besides being Pharaoh. The number one man in Pharaoh's cabinet. The governor of all the land over all the storehouses of Egypt. And God gave him the wisdom, the understanding, and the anointing of how to direct uh, the Egyptians and how that they would have plenty in a time of famine because he had a people that was going to be down there in Canaan in the midst of a famine and that they would need food and he did it all for them. Everything that was happening was for Jacob's good and he was saying, all these things are against me. Oh, that's just what it seems like, Jacob. But don't you realize that God is working? Don't you realize that God has a plan? Don't you realize that God has already sent Joseph down to Egypt and he's working it out behind the scenes and what you can't see and what God is doing in the dark, he's going to bring into the light and you're going to see that God is answering your prayer all along. God is fulfilling his promise because God told your grandfather Abraham and your father Isaac that he was going to raise up a nation that numbered with the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea. So rest assured that God's going to come through with his promise. He's not going to let you die now. And even Joseph told his brother, he said, he sent me before you to save a posterity in the earth because there's promise with this family. God said, I'm not going to let them die in the famine. So God was working it out all along. Because, and I'm just going to say it, God is a jealous God. God is a God that wants the glory. He wants the praise. If there be any glory. If there be any praise, think on these things, Paul said. If we accomplish something on our own and entirely by our own strength, which is not very often, we feel like we deserve the credit. We want the accolades. We want the glory for the accomplishment. But in our weakest moments, if we'll reach out to God, He'll give us the strength to overcome. The Bible is very clear. The race is not always to the strong. And it's not always to the swift. It's not always to the one that, that has all the, the attributes of success and victory and ability to win. Some people look at their disadvantages and they become discouraged and disappointed and disillusioned to the point that they refuse to even try. But when you put God into the equation, he can remove all the negatives. Oh, brother, I'm telling you, 20-something years of not doing math, not, not working equations, and all of a sudden taking a little math class and algebra. And uh, I'm telling you, you talk about I might as well be learning Greek, folks. 
I look at that stuff and I say, why is all them U's and X's and Y's in there? And why have a Y where there's supposed to be numbers? That doesn't make a lick of sense to me now. But I, I found out one thing. I found out one thing. There's, there's just rules of operation that you plug in there and it'll work itself out. If you follow the rules, you'll always run, end up with the right answer. And one of the rules is, is when you, when you got, when you cross that to the other side, whatever you do on one side of that equation, you've got to do the other side of the equation. And so if you've got a negative over here, you take it and you, you put it over here. And a lot of times in some situations, and I don't have time to get into it, but it can become a positive. And I'm sitting there scratching my head saying, how in the world can a number over here that's a negative all of a sudden turn into a positive? I still haven't figured that out, but I know that works the same way with God. I said it works the same way with God. Amen. I don't know how it happens, but when you take it, that negative, and you place it at the feet of Jesus and say, here it is, God, it becomes a positive, and God gives us the ability and the strength, and he gets the glory, and he gets the praise for it. Just reach out to him. Amen. One of the most powerful verses found in your Bible is in 2 Chronicles 16 9. It says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. He's, in other words, he's searching. That ought to show you something. I want you to keep that in mind. He's searching. He's looking. He's looking for a way to work for somebody. He's looking. He's eager. That shows us something about the nature of God. He's not standing back and saying, I, you know, I'm going I'm to let them just suffer a little bit and try to figure it out. And I'm going I'm to stand back and let them do it. I'm going to stand on the side. And when I've got the strength and I've got the ability to help, I'm just going to stand back and let them straight. He don't get any glory from that. But as soon as you cry out to him, as soon as you call upon him, he said, I've been looking throughout the whole earth searching to show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect. Amen. What does that mean? Those people that have their heart in the right place. Those people that will put their trust in God. Those people that will seek the Lord with all of their heart. He said, that's the ones I'll work for. That's the ones I'll help. That's the ones I'll bless. That's the ones I'll strengthen. Oh, somebody ought to give a shout of praise right now and clap your hands to the Lord. These all wait upon thee, Psalms 104, 27, that thou mayest give them their meat in due season. You see, here's where, where we a lot of times in the midst of a trial before the victory comes, before God can reveal His glory. We get impatient. We give up. We begin to doubt. Unbelief takes over. 
But God will come through if only we will forge on in our faith. The temptation is to trust in our own abilities when we get to that place. To trust in our own experience, our own strength. But can I tell you, Saul's armor is always useless against Goliath. And God used a young man, a shepherd's boy, that knew nothing really about battle or war or fighting giants. But he did know something about trusting in the Lord because he had had lions and bears that had came against him. And he said, what's the difference in lions and bears and Philistines? It's all the same. It's not in my human strength, but it's in God and his ability to work through me. It's going to bring the victory. So I don't need Saul's armor. I don't need the implements of this world. I need God on my side. Lot learned that what looks logical and looks good to the flesh is not always the best route to take. He said it was good to the eye. It was, it was something that appealed to him. He, he looked out there and seen the well-watered plains. And said, man, this, this looks like the way to take. This looks like fertile ground for crops. This looks like a good place for me to journey. I, I'm certainly going to go this route. But what he didn't realize uh, is that when you take the faith journey like Abraham, that God will make something out of nothing. God will tur- take situations and turn them around to your advantage. God, he, he will make, uh, he'll, he'll make situations that look like, uh, at least to our flesh, uh, that there's no possible way that it's going to work out, and he'll cause them to work out. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. Because if you walk by sight, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to become entangled in things that, that are, are not going to work out in your life. You're going to have the propensity to go in the direction that you don't need to go if you walk by sight. But if you walk by faith, it may not look like the right way at first. But you just keep on walking. And you keep on believing. And God works it out. Faith in God always equals victory. Paul said, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. 1 Corinthians 15 and 10. It wasn't me. It wasn't my ability. It wasn't my strength. But it was the grace of God, which I have found is sufficient for me. No matter where I'm at, what I go through, what I face in life, His grace is sufficient for me. God's not ever going to call me into anything that He's not going to bring me through that situation. If He's going to take you to it, as the old preacher said, He'll take you through it. He said, I'll never put anything on you but what you can bear. And when it seems like it's unbearable, I'll always provide a way of escape. Hallelujah. So we need to trust in God, not in our flesh. We need to trust in God, not in our own abilities. We start scrambling in our flesh and trying to figure it out in our flesh. We're going to get in trouble. We've got to trust in God. When we look through the lens of logic and from logic standpoint, we don't always judge things right. We don't always estimate things right. Paul wrote, who art thou? Romans 14, 4. 
that judgest another man's servant. To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, ye shall be holding up. For God is able to make him stand. God is able. He may seem weak to you. It may seem like he's worthless to you. You may not see the good in him yourself. But God is the one that's able to help us to stand. We judge situations and we say, how could God get any glory out of this? Or how am I going to make it through? How am I going to be able to withstand? It's God, not us, that helps us to stand. He said in 2 Corinthians 3 and 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves. But our sufficiency is of God. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. For ye see your calling, brethren. How that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things. Yeah, the weak things of the world to confound the things which are despised. Hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to not things that are, that no flesh shall glory in his presence. God has more than once used foolish things to the flesh, base things, crude things, despised things, to bring victory. To bring glory where flesh could not receive the glory. But ultimately it had to be given to God. Well, what about Moses? God calls him out of a backside of a desert. Says, I'm going to make you a spokesman. He said, I can't even speak clear. He said, I, I've got an answer for that. You just do what I ask you to do. You just go where I ask you to go, and you just say the things I ask you to say, and I'm going to send Aaron with you, and you guys are going to lead untold millions out of Egyptian bondage before it's over with. And when they went through the, the plagues, and, and finally they were driven out of Egypt, and then Pharaoh, as you know, changed his mind, and they're standing on the banks of the Red Sea, the Egyptian army breathing down the back of their necks. And Moses is saying, look at here. People are doubting. People are accusing. People are saying, my Lord, did he get us out here so that we could die at the hands of our captors right here on the banks of the Red Sea? And Moses is standing there before God, what now? And he asked him, he said, what do you have in your hand? And he had a rod and he said, stretch it forth. Stretch it forth. Amen. And so God used what to the world would seem a foolish thing and a foolish practice. An unusual thing to do with standing near a sea that seems unpassable. He said, stretch it forth. 
stretch it forth in front of the armies of the Egyptians, stretch it forth in front of the people of God so that everybody knows that it wasn't you, your leadership ability, your skill. It wasn't anything that they were able to do or they were able to accomplish. But I am the one that's going to cause these waters to part and you to walk over on dry ground. And then just at the appropriate time, I'm going to cause them, I'm going to cause them to re, uh, I'm going to cause this sea to go back uh, into its normal state and I'm going to drown those Egyptian armies uh, and never again will they ever be a threat to you. Now, any of us would have to scratch our head and say, how in the world, how in the world could that happen? Amen. Maybe that's what they were wondering. How in the world did this take place? How in the world? I'll tell you, when a man trusts God, when an individual trusts God, when a people trusts God, there's no limits to the potentials that can happen. There's possibilities in that. What about what about Jericho? Looks like it's insurmountable walls that they're racing chariots on top of. Walls that seem like they cannot be possibly penetrated. And God says to march. And then on the seventh day, your seventh round. I want you to blow the ram's horn. That crude little ram's horn. What, 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 what? That's not a weapon. That's not a spear. That's not a sword. That's not some type of artillery. That's not some kind of weapon of warfare. Just a ram's horn. But God sometimes can use the crude things, the things that you, you don't seem like, uh, that, that, that you even seen any potential in. God can use that to bring about victory. Don't underestimate what God is able to do. Don't underestimate what can happen when one person steps out in faith and starts worshiping God on a Sunday night and starts praising the Lord, no matter what the doctor told them, no matter what, uh, amen, they're, they're situation is they just start praising the Lord it seems crude to some but God in that in their faith can bring about a miracle Amen. because more than once God has used a ram's horn to bring about great victory what about David I mean, if anybody, I mean, logic said that, that Saul, the head and shoulders guy, ought to be out there whipping the giant. But God causes a shepherd boy to show up. He takes a little sling and five smooth stones and walks down there and faces a giant and said, I want you to know up front, boy, I'm not coming to you with a sword and a spear but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord I'm going to tell you I'd rather have his name than to have anything that this world has to offer I'd rather have the power of the Holy Ghost working through me than to have anything that this I'd rather have the anointing than to have all the things that the world has to offer because he uses the crude things to confound the wise Oh, that ought to make somebody want to shout a little bit here tonight.
What, what about Samson? Thousand Philistines. What you going to do now? You got to have a whole lot of anointing to whip a thousand Philistines. Some people believe that Samson was some big muscled up Mr. Universe. But I don't believe that. I believe just what the scripture says. I believe without the anointing, he became as any other man. That's what the Bible said. So he was just like any other man of proportion in size and strength when he didn't have the anointing upon his life. But with the anointing, he was able to pick up the jawbone of a donkey and whip a thousand Philistines. And somebody says, that's not possible. I'm telling you, with God, nothing is impossible. Five thousand are hungry. What are we going to do now, Jesus? What do you have? All we have is a lad's lunch. Five loaves, two fish. And what are they among so many? But when God gets someone that will trust him in his hands, he can multiply. He, he can perform a miracle. He can make a way where there seemed to be no way. He can work things out. Hallelujah. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say you need to trust the Lord. I'm trying to say you need to cast your cares upon him. I'm trying to say don't give up. Paul once stated, thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory. Amen. It wasn't us, it wasn't them, but it was God that gave us the victory. Thanks be to God. Amen. If there's going to be any praise here tonight, it's going to be unto God. Because he's the one that gives the victory. If there's going to be any preaching about anything, it's going to be a preaching about God and his strength and his ability. Thanks be to God that giveth us the victory. Stand your feet. So our job is not to act like we don't have problems and we don't have insufficiencies and we don't feel ineffective sometimes. Ineffective or challenged or up against it. That's not our job to try to conceal that. But rather to reach out to him and find strength and access him and find strength. That's what he wants us to do. The Bible said on the Sabbath day there was a man that walked into church with a withered hand. People that have handicaps normally conceal them. Maybe he had it hidden beneath the cloak or the folds of his robe so nobody could see it. But Jesus knew about it. And you know what? He wasn't the only one who knew about it. There was Pharisees there that knew about it. I'm going to tell you, no matter how hard you try to hide it, people still know it. They still know about our weaknesses. No matter how we try to conceal them, they still are aware of them. Jesus asked him to do something that took a lot of courage, took faith. He said, stretch forth thy hand. Stretched forth thy hand. 
Now, he wasn't asking for his good one. He was asking for that one that was gnarled and handicapped and withered. Stretch it forth. You mean here in front of this whole audience? You mean here in this synagogue filled with people? That's what you want me to do? You want it to be open before everybody? And he had the courage to go ahead and stretch it forth. And when he recoiled it, it was whole. It was not handicapped and withered anymore. My argument is this, is why would it matter if you could be healed, if you could be whole, what anybody thinks and what anybody would say? We sometimes are reserved about coming to an altar. Somebody's going to think something's wrong with me. I'm going to tell you if that's the case, there's something wrong with every one of us because we all need an altar. I said we all need an altar. Don't let that cause you to be estranged to an altar. Don't cause that to, 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 to some way limit you in your access to an altar. Don't allow that to get in your mind and the devil to use that to keep you away from God. That's exactly what he wants to do. But some way reach through all of your inhibitions and reach through maybe even pride and, and, and all of that and say, God, I need to get in contact with you tonight. Is there anybody that feels like you need to get in contact with God tonight? You need to touch him one more time. Why don't you raise your hands to him right now? Oh, why don't you raise your hands to him right now? Thank you, Jesus.